An uproar breaks out on Twitter over the Canelo Triple G fight. Jerry Jones is putting the squeeze on Roger Goodell. Lonzo Ball is impressed with Brooke Lopez. Cleveland rocks. Tyler Zeller gets a new team. Jared Jack is back in New York. And who and what are off topic this week? All that and more on What's the 401 Sports coming right up. Welcome everyone and thanks for joining us here at What's the 401 Sports. I'm Keisha Wilson. And I'm Mike McDonald. Now Mike, you and I generally get along, but we're going to talk about a fight, a big fight that happened recently. After the dust settled from the Mayweather Conor McGregor exhibition, everybody was licking their chops for the super fight between Saul Canelo Alvarez and Triple G Gennady Golovkin. Now Mike, this this bout was not without some controversy. The judges' scores were 114-114 even for both Canelo and Golovkin. One, ju one judge scored it 115-113 in favor of Triple G. But the most interesting scorecard was that of Judge Adelaide Bird, who scored the fight 118-110 to in favor of Alvarez. Now, Twitter was on fire because most people thought that the bout should have gone to Triple G. Now, Mike, I ask you, in terms of the results of this fight, what, do you, what impact do you think it had on boxing? I think it's had a positive one. I know that the outcome for this fight was not what people wanted. And certainly with this scorecard, everybody was questioning this. And as you pointed out, Keisha, I mean, Twitter was on fire late here on, you know, on Sunday night. But for me, this was still a very, very exciting fight. It's going to lead to a lot of people questioning now, when is this second fight going to be between these two fighters? And I think what you've had for this summer with boxing, I feel like there's this like revamped excitement with the whole sport. We talked about the McGregor and Mayweather fight. And of course, this now, is this controversial the way that it ended? And is it a, a, a typical sort of something that happens here with boxing every now and then yes absolutely but i think going forward this is something that the way that this fight went down and it was a very good fight is it, it's going to get a lot of people pumped up for the short future for the for the short term for what boxing sees ahead of itself and these two fighters certainly went out there and proved that on saturday night yeah i agree with you in in general this was um a really great time for boxing the most buzz that i recall boxing having in recent years but i think the the scorecard did put a little bit of a smudge mark on that excitement because boxing has had, um, you mentioned, periods of time where decisions were kind of weird and controversial and famed um, trainer Teddy Atlas after the fight was livid. He thought it was a clear example of corruption and that's something that boxing has tried to distance themselves from. So I think there was a little bit of a smudge on it and I think people are really going to be jazzed for the rematch as you said. However, from what I can hear, uh, what I read from reports is that there won't be a rematch till about 2018. And um, then that also means that Triple G will be a year older. He's already in his mid-30s. I think he's about 36, 37 at this point. So a year from that, from now, he'll be 37, 38. And will he be the Triple G that we want to see fighting Alvarez at that time? So we are going to move from the boxing ring into almost another type of fight <laughs> involving Jamel Hill. Jamel Hill is a co-host of ESPN's SC6, which is a sports center at 6 with Michael Smith. And she created a little bit of a firestorm when she, on social media when she called Donald Trump a white supremacist. Now, the flames were further fanned when 
White House Press Secretary Sarah Huckabee Sanders went on, um, was at the White House podium and said that Hill's tweet calling Trump a white supremacist was a fireable offense. Now, ESPN has neither fired nor suspended Jamel Hill for the tweets, and support for her seems to be growing. NBA superstar Kevin Durant weighed in, and he said that he was, um, he supported Jamel Hill for standing up for what she believes in. Mike, try to make sense of what's going on here. Some of the sense that I've tried to make out of it is I've read some of the articles by people who have experience working with uh, Jamel Hill, from Mike Lupica to Michael Wilbon. A lot of people have weighed in, even like you said, Kevin Durant. And from what I've heard from a lot of these people that are familiar with her is that she's a great person. She's a great writer. She's someone who obviously she's got a nice job now with ESPN for this, her Sports Center show that's on every weeknight and everything. And she's done a remarkable job over the 15 to what 20 years now that she's been in the sports entertainment industry. I give her so much credit for the way that she's spoken up. Look, she's making a nice six-figure-plus job with ESPN. It could be easy for her to say, you know what, I'm not going to go and touch that right now. I'm not going to talk about Donald Trump. I don't want to want to muddy the waters. I want to just go ahead and focus on what I... But no, she stood up for herself. Somewhat similar. I'm not comparing her and Colin Kaepernick in the same sense that it's the same thing, but someone who is standing up not just for the black community, community but so many of the communities that are being sort of left aside or pushed behind by the Donald Trump administration and also all the people that follow him. I could keep going on and on about this, Keisha, but a lot of the stuff, a lot of this backlash, the racist and sexist backlash that has gone against her as a person, as a writer, as a broadcaster, it just makes my stomach turn. Yeah, uh, I, boy, boy, boy. Um, the fact that number 45's office is demanding that somebody be fired for something that's considered offensive is laughable because he has a reckless mouth and yet he's still in office and nobody has called for his job and ironically when uh, former President Barack Obama was in office and was targeted of racist cartoons. Nobody seemed to be calling for those people's jobs either. Um, Mike, I will admit that I, I struggle a little bit with this because on one hand, I was reading some articles and there was a, some comparisons between her Jamel, Jamel Hill situation and that of Kurt Schilling. And Kurt Schilling, who was a major league pitcher, was once employed by ESPN and then also he was subsequently fired um, after he released um, some controversial tweets on his own. So I might, I can't decide if it's apples to apples in, in that sense. So, um, but I, I, I don't know what to, if there's any validity in that. So I struggle with that. And on the other hand, I just really admire Jamel Hill so much. I have a lot of respect for her. And as inflammatory as her statements may have been, there are, it's rooted in some truth. Let's Let's review history a little bit. Donald Trump was elected in part by a large constituency of white supremacists. After he was elected, there was a, a rash of racial incidents, crimes, that were done in his name, and it took him quite a bit of time to denounce those acts of violence. And we had the recent incident in Charlottesville where, you know, Donald Trump initially came out and condemned the actions of the white supremacists who were in Charlottesville, and then to later backtrack. And then we can go back even further. In, in the 1970s, he was connected with a federal lawsuit regarding um, discrimination in housing practices of his company. So 
if he is not a white supremacist, at minimum, he has some kind of tendencies because of things that he said, and, and um, there's been tons of allegations along racial discrimination lines for the years since the 1970s before that lawsuit. So um, it's definitely not a fireable offense. Um, ESPN finds itself in a little bit of a pickle in, in trying to figure out their identity, and I think that, that's been something that has been consistent with them over the past few months as the viewership has gone down. And, you know, the the I don't know. I, I, I'm glad that she is not off the air, personally, and, you know, we'll just see how it goes. Like, she's a great journalist. She does a great job. I enjoy watching her and Michael Smith. Well, Keisha, even more feuds that we have to talk about, of course, Jerry Jones. Could he possibly Im be impeding Roger Goodell's contract extension as NFL commissioner? Well, the answer is yes, according to ESPN's Adam Schefter. The Dallas Cowboys owner, Jerry Jones, has indeed impeded the progress of the NFL commissioner. And what basically, Keisha, I want to ask you, is Jerry Jones being petty here? Mike, you know how I feel about the Dallas Cowboys, and it'd be very, very, very easy for me to paint Jerry Jones with the petty brush, but I'm going to fall back and say that he's not being petty. Um, I've been reading around uh, different reports and articles, and the owner of the Atlantic Falcons, Arthur Blank, went on record by saying that Jerry Jones was asked to be a part of the, what do you call it, the compensation committee and that he has not impeded or overstepped his bounds in any way, shape, or form uh, during the meetings. So, um, you know, I think that perhaps, I think the timing makes it seem like he's being petty, but it could be very well that he, as a business owner, does not agree with some of the demands maybe that Roger Goodell is asking for for his new contract. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that there are a lot of NFL teams, you probably even include all 32 teams, that would possibly have an issue with Roger Goodell. But Keisha, you know what? Money talks and the NFL business is booming right now. Roger Goodell, even though there has been so much controversy, that's been a big word that we've been talking about throughout <laughs> this whole show, but there's no, there's been no shortage of it as far as guaranteed contracts for players, the, the um, you know, CTE, uh, how, they hand, how they handle players once they retire, things like that. And of course, so many other issues that have come up in the NFL. And Roger Goodell, the way that he's handled some of these punishments, you know, but the big thing that going forward, I think, is that Jerry Jones, as you pointed out, yes, he's become, he hasn't necessarily on this committee, but he sort of sort of infused himself into the whole situation. So I think a lot of times what happens is we get these reports where someone's doing something, but that's not necessarily the case. And I think that's probably what's going on here. Not to say that right now, without a doubt, I believe that Jerry Jones is probably livid with Roger Goodell at the way he's handled the whole Ezekiel Elliott situation, but I don't think that that's making him say, oh, I don't want this guy to be commissioner anymore. Yeah, I'm sure there's some underlying pleasure in, you know, sticking it to him a little bit. You know, Roger Goodell made over 42, about $42 million last year, and as much money as Roger Goodell is putting in the owner's pocket, I'm sure they want to keep as much of that as they can, so they don't want to pay Roger Goodell this exorbitant uh, salary, because imagine, $42 million last year, what is he going to be asking for going forward, you know? Jerry Jones is about that money, so <laughs> he was like, no, 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 no. You need to pump your brakes, Godric Goodell. You're not making that much money. But don't go away, because when we come back, there's more What's Poppin'. Here are some quick bites. NBA superstar Kevin Durant maintains that reports of a legitimate feud between him and teammate Steph Curry are overblown. 
Louisville men's basketball head coach Rick Pitino believes that the NBA's one-and-done rule will be lifted. Pitino states that high school superstars will be able to skip college and go directly into the league. Draymond Green dissed ESPN's ranking of Carmelo Anthony being the 64th best player in the league. Draymond said in part about Carmelo, quote, Five years ago, he was maybe six. He ain't effing 64 now, end quote. The average text takes your eyes off the road for nearly five seconds. At highway speeds, that's enough time to travel the length of a football field. Stop the texts. Stop the wrecks. Welcome back to What's the 411 Sports. Mike, Cleveland is rocking as the Cleveland Indians reached a major milestone by winning 22 consecutive games. They also clinched the American League Central title. Now, Mike, last year the Chicago Cubs stood in the way of the Indians making it to the World Series. Now, do you think that their fate is the same? Or will they actually make it to the World Series? After this 22-game winning streak, I think that this is the team to beat once the playoffs come around. The baseball playoffs are so hard to predict, and a lot of it is predicated on pitching. But for the Cleveland Indians right now, and granted their, their streak is up, they're hitting it on all cylinders. Their lineup looks good. Terry Francona has done a sensational job since he's taken over the tribe for, since he when he used to manage Boston. And this team, they just seem to have this swagger about them. They're a lot of fun to watch. They're carefree, and they're in every game. Whether or not they fall down by a lot of runs early, they always have a shot. I think the biggest question mark that they face as with a lot of these other teams in the American League and also throughout baseball is their bullpen, just like a lot of other teams. But for the most part, they're going to be the team that everyone's looking at when they head into October and get ready for the playoffs. The last thing I'll say, I think one of the biggest motivating factors for the Indians is the fact that you lost in seven games in the World Series last season. That has to be a motivator as they get ready for the playoffs. No doubt about it. Well, congratulations to the Cleveland Windians. That's what LeBron calls them, the Windians, on the 22-game winning streak and AL Central title. So, Mike, now that they've reached this milestone of the 22 consecutive games, I think the pressure is on. Because if you harken back to the NBA when the Golden State Warriors won the 70th, they broke the season win record and then failed to win the championship that year, that a lot of people were talking about, well, you... you got this record now you lost so what was it what good was it so now the pressure is on for the Cleveland Indians to win you know fate might be on their side this year I mean they won the NBA championship was it a year ago now last year a year and a half, a year ago. And a half yeah. ago it might be baseball's turn in Cleveland to win so I mean you mentioned they have the, the prerequisite parts to win it's just a matter of can they really sustain it going through the entire uh, playoff series and maybe a little bit of luck and fate absolutely <laughs> Well, Keisha, we shift gears to the West Coast, where Lonzo Ball of the L.A. Lakers is very impressed with former Brooklyn Net Brooke Lopez's ability to space the floor. On a Lakers Nation podcast, Ball said of the following, it's going to help a lot just based on the fact that he can spread the floor. Anytime you have a seven-footer that can shoot like that, it's always going to help the team. I'm looking forward to playing with him this year and seeing what we can do together. Keisha, what are your initial thoughts about how the L.A. Lakers will fare this upcoming season? 
Well, you know how I feel about Brooke Lopez. So I'm sure he is going to be fantastic out in the L.A. sunshine, and he'll be great, a nice pairing with him and Lonzo Ball. I, I mean, I think the Lakers will improve. I'm not predicting playoffs. It's a possibility, but I'm not going to predict it. I, I think with Lonzo Ball and his passing ability, ability, it's really going to open up a lot of scoring opportunities for a lot of his teammates. You've got Brandon Ingram, who is set to, to have a, a better year. And you got Brooke Lopez. You've got, um, oh, who else? I forget. Brain freeze. But there's a lot of young talent on that squad. Luke Walton is, is going into his second year as head coach. And, of course, there's magic in the air. You've got Urban Magic Johnson at the helm, at the GM position, or President, President of Basketball Operations, GM is Rob Palenka. And he and Magic is dedicated to making the right moves to get the Lakers back to their winning tradition. So I am seeing that the Lakers are going to be on the upswing. They might get Paul George next season, maybe, or the season after this upcoming one. And then maybe LeBron, they're checking out schools out in LA. Once you start checking out schools for the kids, that's a pretty big commitment. So LeBron has been mom, but we may see. Yeah, for Keisha, you know, I, for me with the Lakers, the guy I really want, I know all the talk is going to be about ball, but the guy I really want to keep an eye on this season, if I'm a Laker fan, is is Brandon Ingram. I think that there should be some very high expectations for him to improve on what he was able to do last season. I expect for him to really come out and feel a lot more comfortable than he did in the season past. Uh, the big question mark for me, though, is what's going to happen with the Lakers if, God forbid, they do get off to a sluggish start? God forbid they're not what we thought that they were going to be as, or, or the expectations aren't as high as LeVar Ball had them. Is he going to meddle? Is he going to be sending out tweets? Is he going to be sort of interfering with the the overall state of this the franchise for the most part what I like about what you said with Magic Johnson, I think that he is the right guy here to steer the ship. He's familiar with this franchise. He was the face of this franchise for so many years. And he is the guy that you would want to really be the leader of this young franchise when you have so many young players and you got to have you gotta have a guy that you can look up to who want, has brought so many championships in the past. Yeah, I'm excited. I, You know, did I mention that I, I grew up a Lakers fan? So, you know, this is giving me a little more rejuvenation, a little, <laughs> you know, I'm feeling some California, L.A. vibes, fun fun times, you know. And, of course, Brandon Ingram is out there. So, you That's know, true. That, that dude connection is strong. <laughs> <laughs> but don't go away because when we come back, we'll have our New York sports report. The average text takes your eyes off the road for nearly five seconds. At highway speeds, that's enough time to travel the length of a football field. Stop the texts. Stop the wrecks. Our photo of the week is a photo of Brooklyn Nets rookie player Jared Allen sitting in front of Levels Barbershop in Brooklyn. Jared donated the cost of 50 haircuts for Brooklyn kids as a back-to-school gift. Go, Jared! Traditional light bulbs actually generate nine times more heat than light. Switch to energy-saving bulbs. Saving energy saves you money. Welcome back to What's the 411 Sports. All right, Keisha, let's drill down and get to some of the sports stories that are close to home. The Brooklyn Nets signed free agent Tyler Zeller. Waived by the Celtics in July, Zeller is the first free agent other than camp invitees signed by the Nets this offseason. The Nets added D'Angelo Russell, Timothy Mozgov, Damari Carroll, and Allen Crabb through trades, and they drafted Jared Allen. Mike, what are your thoughts on the Nets 
projections for this season? I think that there's a little bit more, not a little bit, there's a lot more optimism that there, than there has been in seasons past. For me, as I've said before, I think the big issue going into this season is with Jeremy Lin. I'd love to see him healthy, be able to give the Nets 70 to 75 games and be in there night in, night out and really help steer the offense. I think with Kenny Atkinson, He's going to be a lot more comfortable in his sophomore season as the head coach of the New York of the Brooklyn Nets, and we saw with Kenny Atkinson, it wasn't easy for him with the depleted roster that they had throughout the season. But that doesn't mean that the guy didn't make some rookie mistakes as the head coach. Certainly, it's it's tough when you come into some leadership like the, like he has. You become the head coach of the team, and it's it was somewhat of a not a bumpy season. It was a very very bumpy season for Kenny Atkinson. But I think as far as expectations, there's definitely a little bit more excitement than there has been. And the Nets really want to turn the page on some of the disastrous times that they've had over the last couple of years. Um, I think it's it's probably still going to be a little bit of a rough season. I, I think that we'll probably will do better um, than projected. Uh, I think... You know, you know how I feel about Brooke Lopez and I, the loss of him and his leadership is going to be something crucial because who is going to step in for that role? Is it going to be Jeremy Lin? Is it going to be one of these veterans that have signed on in Tim Faye-Maz, Gav Damari Carroll, Alan Crabb? Is it going to be D'Angelo Russell? Will he, as a newcomer, take, take a leadership role and maybe be who he wanted to be or who he wasn't in Los Angeles last year? So... It's going to be interesting, and I think, as you mentioned, this is going to be Coach Kenny Atkinson's second year as a head coach. And he, to me, I he strikes me as someone who's always trying to improve himself as a coach. And so I, I would imagine that he spent a lot of his off-season thinking about what he did as a coach, any uh, opportunities for improvement as a coach, and worked on that. And... I think he probably will continue to do so in the season. And, you know, I think it'll be really interesting what will happen once the Nets have control over some draft picks. And will we it will we still see a, a progression at that point? Or will we see the need to kind of just really toss things up in the air and put things back together <laughs> again? Well, Keisha, we spoke about the Nets. Now we shift gears, of course, to our beloved New York Knicks, who certainly have made some, some for some questionable moves in the offseason. But Keisha, the, you know, the Knicks were certainly listening to you. They went ahead and they did sign Jared Jack to a one-year deal, and it's not fully guaranteed. That's one issue with it. But Keisha, do you still think that signing Jared Jack was a good decision? Of course I do, and I'm totally biased. I accept it. I acknowledge it, and that's okay. Uh, and I think it's I think it's a really good move. I I think that as a point guard, he he was one of the best. I think obviously there's going to be concerns about his health. He's coming off of a um, torn ACL, so I think that's going to be a, a concern and probably why there's not a, any guaranteed money in his contract. But uh, he's always been somebody who had a lot of grit and that works in New York City. It's going to work for this team. He's a veteran and. Um, I think it's all, all, all a go. You can't do much worse. <laughs> well, and the other thing is that the, it's not necessarily guaranteed, right? But I think that this is definitely going to be a good fit. The guy's shown that he's definitely a capable leader. Yes, the injuries are certainly something that are going to worry some people and scare you off. But at the same time, you know, Jared Jack, like he, the guy has proven himself in his NBA career. He can score. He's tough, makes players around him better. 
And you know what? Let's say that he does have a, God forbid, an injury plague season. If he can still be there with some of these younger players, I guarantee that they can pick up a thing or two. Yeah, and maybe the the not having guaranteed money will make him work even hard. I mean, not that I think that he needs a lot of motivation to play hard, because I think that's just who he is as a as a person, as a player. But when when you're fighting for your livelihood, that might give you a little extra oomph, which will benefit everyone. Him for a guaranteed contract. The Knicks for some wins and some excitement in the garden, and I think everybody wins in this situation. <laughs> Mom, can we get some ice cream? Please, Mom, please. No, we're having dinner yeah. soon. Please. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. There are thousands of children in foster care who will take you just as you are. The average text takes your eyes off the road for nearly five seconds. At highway speeds, that's enough time to travel the length of a football field. Stop the texts, stop the wrecks. Now we're gonna go a little off topic. Comedian Kevin Hart, who is also an NBA all-star celebrity favorite, recently admitted to cheating on his wife. Hart came clean because the woman threatened to go public first and basically gave him an ultimatum, either pay up or shut up. So, Mike, do you think that Kevin Hart can rebound from this personally and professionally? Personally, who knows? I mean, it's obviously t speculating on his marriage and everything. I, for his sake, I hope he can work it out. You know, I absolutely, I, I feel bad for his wife, you know, to be caught in a situation like this where it just gets thrown right in your face and then it's out there in the open for everybody. But professionally, I think that it will be, he'll be able to get through this. And I say that because he's one of the most charismatic celebrities out there. His popularity has increased astronomically over the last five years. He's constantly in movies and he's put his name out there. I've got a lot of respect for the guy and he is not just limited to being a stand-up comedian. He has proven time and time again over the last several years that he can act. I mean, you know, yeah. not necessarily, <laughs> you know, he's not necessarily, you're not necessarily going to see him in the Martin Scorsese movie, but, you know, for the most part, the comedy movies that he's been in the, with Ice Cube, he was in one, I think, with Will Farrell And The Rock. And The Ooh. Rock, of course. Ooh. So he's, <laughs> he's shown that he can multitask and that he's not just a one-dimensional comedian that just goes out there on stage and performs by himself. Uh, it will hurt. There's no question about that. There's no doubt that it's going to impede his career for a little bit. But for the most part, this is a guy that has jumped into the spotlight and he belongs there. He just he has a lot of star power. There's no question about it. Yeah. Like you, per personally, that's all going to be up to his wife and how much she wants to put the squeeze on him. And, you know, I will say that we mentioned, you know, what Twitter can do. And Twitter was throwing a little shade at his current wife's way because there was a little bit of a back and forth between his current wife, Aniko Hart, and his former wife, Tori Hart, all about the allegations of cheating and when his relationship with Nico actually started. Um, the former Mrs. Hart says that, you know, it started while he was, while she was married to Kevin. So, uh, I don't know. So people are throwing her a little shade. And, you know, I don't know if Aniko will choose to stay or not. But if she chooses to leave, dating is going to, for him, is going to be a little more difficult because he has proven to be a little bit of a serial cheater. Professionally, <laughs> professionally I, I think that he'll be fine. This could be material for his next stand up or a movie. You know, 
comedians are usually taking stuff that happened to them and sometimes it's often it can be tragic stuff and putting their twist their comedic twist on it and it's gold he did it with um his father growing up there was some you know turbulence with with the father and he turned it into a joke and one of the funniest jokes i've ever seen i've heard heard of before so i think all in all he'll be fine the the personal stuff we'll have to see and that's going to be really uh driven by his wife and nico so we have reached the point of our show where we're going to say goodbye to our friends, Mike. It's just terrible, but we have to do it. But don't worry, you can keep up with us until we meet again next time by following us on Instagram and Twitter, liking us on Facebook, and subscribing to our YouTube channel, All at 411 Sports TV. I'm Keisha Wilson. On behalf of Mike McDonald, we'd like to thank you for joining us, and we look forward to hanging with you next time. <laughs>